Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical. Medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the 442 podcast. And today, Liam, we've got Dapo Affalion, formerly of Solio Moors, West Ham United. He's been on loan at Oldham. Mansfield, played for Bolton Wanderers, and now he's in Germany, plying his trade at FC St. Pauli. And can I get something off my chest, John? Yes. Why are we not in Hamburg doing this bloody podcast? Well, that was I think that's why we've not done it up to this point, because I was <laughs> waiting for the trip to Hamburg, but it never materialised. But we're at the lovely golf course today, the Shire, in London. Yes, Kai and his family, Seve Course. We're going to be out playing golf later on. I know Dapo's mad keen. He's not been playing golf long, but I do know he's mad for it. Yeah, I am. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I am mad for golf. Been playing about a year now, so um, not the best, but I do love it still, don't worry. I'm going to come back to the football in a minute. I want to go with the golf, because we ask this every footballer who comes on. Camera's on you, first shot, are you going to be nervous? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I'm nervous anyway, playing golf. I think... Yeah. My worst thing is playing. I always always happens to me when I'm playing golf, and I'm like, if I'm like playing by myself, or I'm like with like another one of my mates, and there's a group of four in front of us, and they let us play through on a par three over water, straight in. We all feel <laughs> every the fish. single time. Yeah, I think it's in general that that way. I think yeah. when somebody waves you through, more often than not, it's always a rubbish shot, isn't it? Because yeah. you rush. Because you, you want to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, bang. And then yeah. the four people think, why have we let them through? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be waiting behind them now. But uh, no, golf, it's a wonderful game, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. absolutely brilliant. And, you know, most footballers like golf, believe it or not. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I love it. I think a couple of the boys last year were playing it and I could hear it. I heard them chatting in the change room and I was thinking, I just said to them, you know what, I'm going to get into golf. And I did. I found so one of my other mates who tried to get into golf. He had some clubs, so I took them off him, went for a lesson. First thing he said to me is, you need some new clubs, these are terrible. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, when started the hunt, it was on Golf Bidder and eBay and what's not. Got a set of clubs together, started playing and, yeah, haven't looked back since. And here we are. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring you back, a young Dapo, 15 years old, in Canada. Yeah. What the hell are you doing in Canada at 15-year-old? Um, my mum and dad um, decided to move out there because my mum was working on the... Uh, the Olympic Games in London, and she had the opportunity to work out in Toronto doing a similar thing, similar role for the Pan American Games. So we went out there, 
and yeah I just for me 15 just went with the flow new place new country was excited I've always liked traveling and going away and stuff so yeah it was good did you play youth football out there yeah I played um played for Toronto FC out there um the obviously the academy in the MLS is a lot different to it is over here because like the size of the countries like both um Canada and America is like massive and it's hard for you to play like other MLS teams, so youth football's a bit different. But um, when I was out there, I played for the senior academy team, which was from like I was the youngest on there, so I just turned 16, and the oldest lads were like 22, 23. So um, we were put into a men's league, League One Ontario, which was a new league um, full of like local teams around us, like, and um, they obviously playing against men it's like obviously for me that was one of the biggest things that helped me in my career I think is like from such a young age learning how to play like men's football um and then yeah so I played in the senior academy team for a few years before I come back over here but it was always hard for me out there because the MLS had some rules of on international players and you could only have so many so if I was to turn pro for an MLS team out there then it would like impact one of their international like player slots that they had and stuff so it was hard for me. I mean, we had Sebastian Javinko um, out there, Jermaine Defoe come out. Um, <coughs> who else? Michael Bradley was there, Josie Outdoor. So we had some big players and like some big international players as well. So it was always going to be hard. So I think for me at that time, I, we, it was um, a lot of people look at the MLS draft and obviously through that you go to university and like that's a big thing in the state. So that was what I looked at. Um, and then... I didn't end up staying out in North America, decided to come back home and follow a similar path and look for a university here to kind of go to. You mentioned Jermaine Defoe, not a bad guy to learn from. Yeah. Some player. Yeah, some player. Um, really good guy. Um, remember he gave me stick one time for my Arsenal shirt when I was walking about, <laughs> obviously being a Spurs boy, but um, yeah, nah, good guy. Um, he was he was really good out there and... Um, Again, like people thought he was going out there just for, to retire, but I mean, he come back here and he carried on doing what he was doing. So, um, yeah, he, he was one of them who was was so sharp. Like his finishing was unbelievable. I used to watch first team sessions from like the canteen stuff, and he was just unbelievable. Him, uh, Michael Bradley, probably the fittest player I've ever seen. Like, remember he played like half a season, went to the World Cup, like ran the most in the World Cup, come back to Toronto and beat the bleep test. I was thinking, nah, this guy is crazy, but yeah, good player as well. And then the year after, I think Javinko come in and he, he lit up the league. Like, just unbelievable. Good players. So Loughborough University did a degree. Yeah. Then got a little move to Solihull Moors. But you could have gone Rochdale, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a weird one because... I just went to Loughborough just thinking like, I'll just go to uni, get a degree and just play footy on the side, see what level I can play at. Like, And then I remember playing for like the Loughborough team after, and the coach, um, not the coach, he was the like director of the programme kind of thing. And he um, he said to me, oh, we've had like some interest f like from like league clubs and stuff. He said some mates of mine who, who are like Rochdale, MK Don's crew have been like asking about you and stuff, and I was like, okay. I was I thought it was a joke at first, because um, I've heard, like, heard about a joke played on one of the lads a few years before me. Like, Go on. But <laughs> yeah, well, some 
someone called one of the lads, the, the, the lads had played Burnley in a friendly and um, some of the boys thought it would be funny to call on a lad who did well in the game off like his, another phone, like I think it was his girlfriend's phone or something, um, pretending to be like a Burnley scout saying that, oh, we want to sign you and stuff. And I asked him to get all his like physical data, his clips over. So like the lad's got his clips. He's telling everyone, oh, I might be going to Burnley, training really hard and that. And then he says to the coach, oh, Burnley spoke to me a few weeks ago. Have you heard anything from him? And like, he went and he like, spoke to Burnley. And they were like, no, we haven't spoke to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was yeah, proper harsh. But yeah, so I thought it was a bit of a joke at first, but then he said, like, no. And then we also had a seven day request from Solly or Moores. And for that like, non-league seven day request, it's like, you have to, inform a club that with seven days that you want to talk to a player and after that seven days they can speak to you. Um, so yeah, I, I remember having exams in Rochdale and um, asked me to come in on trial and I went to Rochdale on trial and um, I think uh, Keyfield was the manager at the time and um, uh, Brian uh, Barry Murphy, he was the assistant and he was the one who helped like bring me in and like really looked after me there when I was there and I trained there for a few days and they said like yeah, like we like you, but you've, we need you to have more men's football experience. So like they knew I had the solid awards thing, and they said like go for that, um, and that obviously will keep monitoring you kind of thing. So I called up solid awards afterwards, and the manager there had been trying to get me down for a while, and I said to him like I'd, I'd like to do it and stuff, and he was buzzing to have me. Um, I remember he was really good with me because he, he said, like, look, I know your uni and stuff and I know, like, you're going to travel from Loughborough to Birmingham. So, like, um, you you can you only have to train with us on Thursdays. You can carry on training with Loughborough, like, twice during the week with them and then come on the Thursday, train with us and then play on the Saturday for us. So, like, for me, it was kind of ideal. It was an ideal, like, set-up. Um, and, yeah, just, again, went there not thinking too much of it, just thinking, like, uh, the main one of the other main things it was like well I, I I don't have to get a side job at uni I can just play football was like my side job so and like I'm playing in the national league like and it's a good good level just see how it goes and stuff and yeah I, I'd start doing well there and things just took off from there really started well I believe <coughs> your first touch on your debut you scored a goal yeah yeah I know one of my mates have to thank for it because he, he ran through on goal and a hat trick and squared it to me so um yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, I just I didn't things like that you don't expect to happen. Like you you go there. I went there as a nineteen year old kid, um, in a men's dressroom. Met the lads a few a few days before and stuff. And yeah, running up running up the the I see the ball break down there. Just get in the middle of the box and the ball comes across to me. Almost missed it. I give the keeper a chance to be fair. But um, but yeah, started well and then started working my way into the starting team there and. Um, yeah, it was really good to be fair. I think the manager gave me loads of freedom. He really believed in me, which is like all you can ask for as a player. And then um, we we did well that season, stayed up. And then again, like there was interest, like from other clubs. Like I was getting linked with other clubs, but again, mainly because I think I was young and I, I was doing quite well in that league. So um, that's ten, what tends to happen. Um, but yeah, I remember that summer. Like I was supposed to go on a um, TV show, Jamie Vardy's V9 Academy show. Yep. And like, I'd signed the contracts and everything, I was ready to go. They were, I was supposed to go up to the um, city campus just after um, my last exam at uni. I was going to go straight up there, but the week before, I felt something in my foot. 
and um, obviously went to physio at Solio to, to like see like, oh, like, what do you think about it kind of thing and they were like oh just go for an x-ray I was like oh where do I go I'll just go to the uh, A&E so I went to A&E sat there for a few hours got an x-ray and they said I'd fractured my fifth met so I couldn't go on the show um, which I was gutted about because obviously the whole point of the show was trying to get young non-league talents like loads of pro clubs were going to be there watching and stuff and trying to get like the lads signed to unprofessional deals similar to Jamie Vardy's story kind of thing so was gutted about that but then got myself fit and just again carried on playing um, and then the, the next season did really well did better than the year before and um, again like leading into January had quite a lot of interest in me so. well, I've got one for you Go were you on. aware the scouts were watching you? I was aware of it yeah because I was I was getting told about it I know where you're going with this one Do you ever see a report of any of them were like what they thought you? No but I've heard one of them's come up to you before and told me and who were that? This, this, that. <laughs> I think we should get it out, John. Let's read the first bit because people at home or even watching, they won't have a clue what a scouting report is and what's actually on it. Because this is interesting, this because I won't have a clue. Yeah, me like for, again for a player, like I don't think you really have a clue because. Right, this report was for Ross County. Yeah. Up in the, it was the Scottish Premier League yeah, at yeah. that time, and it was on the 11th of November 2017. Okay. Yeah, and it was against Sutton United. Okay. So, I'll cut it short anyway. There are details on yourself. At home. That you know. Sutton at home. At home, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. General, general information before game. The player was called up to train with the England C team. He's highly rated and is certainly worth monitoring in the near future. Is there, is there already quite a bit of interest in him? Got you down here. Powerfully built striker with a good turn of pace, strong enough to hold off defenders with his back to go, and also when he gets in behind. And I've highlighted in the in yellow, still needs to work on his movement. Still needs it today. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're getting there now. Uh, speed, out of five, these were. Speed, yeah. I've given you four. Yeah. Explosivity, four. Yeah. Agility, five. Dual strength defensively, three. Dual strength offensively, four. Shape without ball, three. Movement without ball, three. Movement after pass, four. So that was the movement. Yeah, I think that's spot on, to be fair. Thing, thing again. And then I've got... I remember that game now as well. Yeah? Yeah, because I remember I just got back from international duty. That's right. Just got back and I come off the bench. You did. And yeah, I, don't, I wasn't supposed to play, but I, I said, like, obviously I wanted to play because I, I hadn't trained or anything and I just got back, so... Um, yeah, I remember that. It was a whirlwind few days, that, that whole England scene stuff. My next part was, the report is not a true reflection as the player came on as a sub in the 60th minute and struggled to get into the game due to lack of service. They're a poor side who play pretty direct and the front players lack support and it seems every pass forward is a battle for possession. Mm. There wasn't a lot of football played in that game. Nah, sometimes down there there's not a lot, is there? But that was the ins and outs of the, the, yeah, the report yeah. and everything else. And, and I said, That's obviously, obviously when I went back, I said, there's one we need to monitor over the next, you know, four to six weeks probably, yeah. watching you home and away. And there was a lot of interest about that time, mm. about you. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't think we'd get you anyway, because it, it would have been a tough move to go all the way up to the top of Scotland, more or less. The thing is, to be like, that's the thing with me, I was just, just happy to play football anyway. Yeah. Like at that time, my mindset was like, 
uh, anyway they have me I'll be grateful for it I think that, that was it for me I wasn't I was never um that picky like I I wouldn't I wouldn't have been picky at that age like I think after that I went on trial a few places and I was happy to go on trial um and just go to whoever wanted to see me play I went there trained played like I went to quite a lot I went to Birmingham City went to Wigan um I went to um Oldham wanted me there um went to Peterborough all within the space of a few weeks. So I think Solly all knew that they, they kind of had to sell me yeah. at that stage. Um, so they were trying to help facilitate it and anyone, they would let me go and trial. And so that, it kind of, for me, was weird because like, I'd go away and then I'd come back for a game and play and stuff. And it was like a bit of a strange kind of time um, for me. But again, as I said, I was just happy to go to anyone who'd kind of like have me. So you've done a tour around quite a few clubs. Yeah. Where, how did West Ham come about? It's the weirdest thing ever because um, I was at Peterborough um, the few days leading up to the end of the window. I was uh, training with Peterborough for a few days and the day before deadline day, Graham McCann sat me in his office and said, like, really like you, would like to offer you a deal. Like, we've got a plan for you and was talking about um, it and he said, um, Barry Fryer will talk to you about all the financials and stuff. Um, he'll talk to your agent and stuff and obviously he said just wait around in the change room and like we'll grab you kind of thing so he told me that i was in the change room by myself like bouncing off the walls like no obviously all the lad, none of the lads were in there i was just like me i was buzzing like honestly like one of the best best i remember the moment like i was just buzzing that like, i was on the benches i was off the benches like it, i was just buzzing because i was thinking like yeah like this this is happening like someone wants me like i'm going to become a professional footballer here um and then I heard got wind from my agent and my dad that um, the deal that um, Peter were offering me was kind of like underselling me a little bit. Um, and they were saying that if Solio were to offer you a new deal, they'd offer you more than what Peter were offering you in Peter Burrow League one side <coughs> in the playoffs. Just, I think they were in the fourth round or something, the FA Cup and stuff. And um, they were saying to me that at the time, like, like for what you're worth and it, it's not, a, it's not a very good deal. And like, if we wait till the summer, then we'll get something better um, for you. Um, and like, they kind of convinced me about that decision about like not taking the Peterborough offer at that time. Although like, I was really like, I was gutted about it, but I was on my way back to Loughborough um, about nine o'clock in the evening. My agent gave me a call and said like, go to bed. You've got to um, go down to Solio in the morning. And um, I've had an interesting phone call from West Ham about you this evening I said I said really and he goes yeah now I'm being serious kind of thing so I said cool um went down to um drove to Birmingham in the morning um and then when I got to Solio ground um the director of football took me straight like before I saw anyone took me straight away said oh we need to go to this hotel around the corner um and that was just we, we had, we're waiting because he said oh the West Ham board are having a meeting about you this morning I said okay he said, I think it finished about 11 o'clock, so we were there for about an hour and a half. And then he get a phone call. For, he gets a phone call, and then I get a phone call, and like um, saying, yeah, like West Ham, West Ham are doing it. Like they want to do this deal. So um, they're like, yeah, you got to head down to London. So I'm driving to London, like this, like don't crash this car, just relax, <laughs> calm down. Like three and a half hours down to London, drove to London, drove to my dad's house, met him and my brother, and then we went over to um, West Ham's training ground and like met everyone, went for a medical, and then went to London Stadium, saw the stadium and everything. Um, and then, like, 
waited for ages for the deal to be done because it was deadline day. A lot of sh stuff was happening like for West Ham that day. Um, we signed like the two-hour extension you get, so that took it. So it was eleven. We signed the extension to get to one o'clock in the morning. I think I don't. I didn't sign the papers until about five to one, and then they sent them off to the FA. And like we thought it was all done, and then I think one o one, they got an email saying like, you know, when your email bounces back, they got an email saying it bounced back basically, and like it was panic on. And they've rung up like the FA to say, oh, just like, did you making sure you guys got those documents that we sent? And they were like, yeah, we have got them. So <laughs> I was thinking, because if I think obviously if it bounced back, like the deal's not, it yeah. doesn't happen. Because there was that thing with that Leicester lad where they sent off 28 seconds late and he had to wait six months to play. Right. And so I was thinking, no, oh, I'm back, I'm back up the <laughs> back up the M6 <laughs> if this doesn't happen. But yeah, went straight in a taxi to a hotel and then there was a whirlwind. There was a West Ham player I had training with the with the lads and then. I remember the, I was with the 23s and then a week afterwards training with the first team a bit as well, which is which was crazy, um, like a mad experience. And yeah, I, again, I think in football it's hard. You, it's, you have to, you, when you look back on it, you realise like what, like how good things are. But when you're in the moment, it's really hard to kind of just appreciate it for that because you're just constantly nonstop. But yeah. I want to take you back then, back to the Peterborough one. Because you're sitting in that dressing room. Yeah. And this is the good side of having an agent and yeah. also your dad yeah. to give you advice. Because yeah. I think you've been on your own oh. and so desperate to sign for Peterborough, you'd have probably ended up signing that deal. Yeah, I would have 100%. I would 100% sign that because, again, for me, I was just, I just wanted to play football. I like, and money wasn't an issue to me. It wasn't the it wasn't like why I was playing. It's not. It's never been the reason I've wanted to play football. I've never sat there as a kid thinking I want to play football because I want money. I, I've always wanted to play football because I enjoy it. Because I love like being in a football stadium. I love the experience of like just being in and around football. That's always been my thing and been my passion. And like, yeah, like being able to play for a League One side at the time, pushing for the playoffs. And obviously Peterborough is a good site. Like everyone knows what Peterborough United are like as a football club. Um, they, they get young players in, they produce young, they produce them, and they sell them on. Um, so that was my thing. It wasn't. It wasn't the worst. It wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world if I'd signed for Peterborough. It would probably have been like again. You, you never know how your career goes. But um, yeah, I think uh, like there was times when I was at West Ham thinking I, I I probably would have been better off signing for Peterborough because at West Ham again I was with the 23s for most of my time there and I'd come from playing men's football and I, I had that urge, I was craving playing men's football. I think that's why I ended up on loan a few times like and to loan moves, which I probably rushed because I was just wanting to get back out playing men's football and experiencing that. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's one of those things. You, you, you make decisions in your life and you go through it and you learn from it. And I think, again, like my West Ham days, like, I loved it. I loved every second of being there being at the football club, being in around the players there and learning from it. And I learned so much about what it takes to make it, what it takes to be a pro from being a youngster, transitioning into the first team, um, from being a first team player and staying at that level. Like I've, I've been able to see it. Um, I've been privy to like seeing what it's like at the top level. And it obviously it makes me want to be there even more again. So yeah, that's, that's the main thing for me. And your dealings with Davy Moyes at, at West Ham. Yeah, how how did Davy do for you? Really well. I mean, first when I first got there and he was there, um, I didn't really like get to see much of him or because at that time, um, 
uh, it was just about staying in the league for for them for the boys. I think that was, I think a real low point in West Ham's recent history. I think when I joined, the first game that I went to was the Burnley home game where we had fans storming the pitch, um, and all sorts of protests against the chairmen and stuff. And like that was a real low point at the time of the club. Um, but then obviously he kept us kept us up that year, and then. Um, Manuel Pellegrini came in the year after that, um, and that was put one of the closest times I got. At the time I got closest to the first team, but then I got injured in a first team session there, um, which set me back. And obviously, went on loan again. And then the year after, when um, David Moyes came back in, um, yeah, he did. He was really good for me. I think he he has a really good way of. Um, helping youngsters with his staff. I think the staff he brought in with him, especially the second time, um, and especially Kevin Nolan. Um, when Kev was at the club um, and he joined and he took it, he really took it upon himself to help, especially um, the young players, help the transition um, into the first team. And he'd always look out for you. If you were in the first team session and you were a young lad, he'd, um, he'd always make sure you were right. He'd always like, give you encouragement because he I, I know he knows what it's like yeah. and um yeah obviously as as a manager and the more you're in football you know like managers have so much to deal with that like, they can't always be that that person around you to kind of g you up and stuff especially at the top level you've got big squads and you have to um you have to get results really at the end of the day you can't always be that person so it's good to have those people around um around you and your staff that can help other, all the players out so for me, yeah, that was a big thing. I think um, um, with with the twenty three staff and with Kev, and then obviously David Moyes, um, that whole that season, my last season of my contract at West Ham that year was was my best there for me. Um, I, I made a I made a decision at the beginning of that season to kind of say to the twenty threes manager that um, I didn't want to play as a nine, like an out and out nine, because um, when I was signed, I was playing at Solio, I was playing like as a nine and I was playing out wide kind of thing, but I was mainly productive out wide and stuff. So, but when I went to West Ham, I played like down the middle for, for like the first couple of years, like in the 23 side and like I could do a job there, but it wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't ever feel like comfortable. I didn't feel like I was going to progress and push on from that position. And I said to him like, um, if it means I, does, I don't play, then I just have to work harder and I'll accept that that's on me. Mm. Um, but I, I want to play out wide. I want to play in the ten role. Um, like I, that's where I feel like I'm going to make a, a career for myself. So I had that conversation with Dimitri, the twenty threes manager, who was who agreed with me, and he said, "Yeah, I'll do it." And I worked hard and I pushed on and um, started to get started to score more, started to get um, playing better, started to push on more with the first team as well. Um, but and then ultimately. It, it led in my led to my like debut at West Ham, which was unbelievable for me. I want to bring you on that. Forty eight hours before your debut. Talk us through it. Um, yeah, I mean, we was just. I think what um, David Moyes started to do with with the twenty threes lad to bring us more involved is before like first team games. Um, he kind of have big bigger sessions where. If they wanted to work on unit stuff, they'd bring the 23 lads to to do stuff. So the defense, would, the first team defense, would work against our attack, and then the um, first team attackers would go and do something else, for example. So 
he'd bring like six, seven, eight of us over to the session. So, yeah, we were just training, prepping for, they were prepping for the FA Cup game, but we had a game against Tottenham on the Friday night. So we were prepping for that as well. Um, and I'd been, I'd been there before loads of times, like with the first team trained and never like, never really felt like I was going to be, obviously be involved in, in games again, the Premier League squad. Um, the only time I thought like I'd have an opportunity was the Stockport game, which we um, had in the FA Cup third round. But um, yeah, I wasn't selected to go in the travelling squad there. So for me, kind of at that point, I thought like my opportunity here at West Ham was kind of done and I was looking further forward at like what's next for me. Um, played in the game on the Friday night. Um, just before the game, the academy manager said to me, oh, just give it, give it your all for, um, give it your all for 60 and like just see what happens kind of thing and like it was a weird thing to say to me at the time obviously because I I'm thinking like you know am I gonna have a bad game here or something like that I'm coming off at 60 but yeah played played the first half did well um half time he said go on another 15 kind of thing I was thinking like what's going on here and then um come off and like the 23s manager says to me oh you're um you're on the bench for the first team tomorrow like well done kind of thing and I was like wow and I've gone to like the bench and Kev's come over to me saying, like, oh, you're on a bench for us tomorrow. Like report time's this. And yeah, like, obviously I'll give you a text, but yeah, like, well done kind of thing. The manager's like been impressed with you. And so he wants to give you an opportunity. So I was like, wow. And I was, I was happy just to be on the bench, just to be there. Like um, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was a good feeling. Um, that night I barely slept. Um, and then I was, I was up bright and early the next day got to the ground um I was ha having breakfast with the with the first team and like pre-match and stuff and I remember I was because we played there was a few of the other lads in, our, in the 23s who were on the bench as well um but like they played longer than me and they the the like the staff said to them oh like come to the gym for some recovery so all of us like we went to the gym all the lads who played like, on the Friday night went to the gym and uh, I was in the gym uh, on the bikes and then um, someone comes in and goes, oh, Dapper, you're supposed to be in the meeting. I was like, what? So he's like, I've rushed through to the meeting room and like, I was late to the meeting. Um, and I was honestly bricking it. Cause obviously, Did they give it you? No, like, so obviously straight after the meeting, I went up to the gaffer and I said to him, oh, um, Josh, I was on the bikes with Josh doing recovery. They took me out of the change room to do recovery and, and he, he understood. But I could tell at first he was a bit like, where were you kind of thing? But um, but yeah, and then that day was good and like we, we went 1-0 up um, and then we went 2-0 up and then it, I think it was 2-0 at halftime. And then we scored the third goal quite early in the second half and like, I was on the bench with Deck and Mikel Antonio and stuff and they were saying to Kev, oh, go on, like, see if you can get that on, like, have a word with the gaffer, see if that can come on and stuff. And like, I was warming up. Um, and like I remember saying to one of the lads, like I'm bricking it here, like, and it, the stadium was empty. It was COVID year, um, but like just like playing for the first team was like such a big thing for me. Um, and then yeah, the gaffers took, like called me over and like said I'm coming on, um, and yeah, um, come on. He said like you're playing in the ten world. Like he said, um, get on that, get on the game. This is a position that off, like without the ball and. Yeah, like just try and get forward and try and affect things. And Kev, Kev said the same to me. Basically, said like just try and get yourself in a box, like just make sure you're in the box kind of thing. So yeah, come on and um, 
I just remember like Ryan Fred, the ball broke to Ryan Fredericks down the right, and like I'm just thinking getting a box, and like it was on for the cutback, and obviously I thought like yeah he's gonna cut it back, but I think for Ryan it was we're three 0 up. He's he could he was playing against Doncaster, he's thinking oh like, I can score it, so he shot, and I remember thinking like, at the time thinking oh like he should have cut it back to me, but he shot and the keepers parried it, and it's just dropped at my feet, and I just tapped it in, and like yeah. I, I, just did, I couldn't believe it, and I, it was it was a special moment because I remember celebrating it with one of my good friends, Ben Johnson. He's still there, and like we'd spoken loads about like his breakthrough to the first team, and obviously me coming on and scoring on my debut as well. Again, yeah, um, which was yeah amazing. And speaking like walking back to the halfway line, talking to Mark Noble and stuff, and like one of the photos that I really like. Like one of my favourite photos of me in football was like me and Mark walking up back to the halfway line talking and stuff and yeah it, it was just a crazy experience the whole thing. There's a little thank you to Mikel Antonio in there as well. Yeah. Come on, tell us the story. There's a little wee story. Here, yeah. But... Well, now Mick, Mick obviously Mick had some like Mick had some like injuries and he was uh, I think against Doncaster. I don't think I don't think he. Uh, he wanted to like, risk it, kind of thing. So I think he said to said to Kev that uh, his hammy's a bit sore, so he didn't want to come on. So that like they bring me on, so because I I know Mick and I obviously had spent some time with him. He's a good guy, and that's the thing that I loved about West Ham is like the first team players, like they're all like they're all really good guys, especially like my experience with them and stuff, and that like, away from the pitch. And again on on the pitch, everyone's competitive. Everyone wants to be the best and wants to achieve, but. Like yeah, West. I've been lucky with the clubs I've been at because I feel like I've been at clubs where like I've had really good like people in the dressing room, really good atmospheres, and um, yeah, like good community kind of feel to it. I think with West Ham, so it's like the senior pros proper look after. Yeah. They probably get it, don't they? But I bet that's been generation, generation, generation with West Ham, isn't it? Because they've always produced. I think good it, kids, aren't they? As Dan was just mentioned there, people like Martin Noble. You know, in in the dressing room and about the place, and now in his what's he technical director? Yeah, yeah. Now, in his position there, Kevin Nolan. You know what I mean? You've got vastly experienced players in there that do look after the younger players and want yeah. to see them go on and do well. So, and you've got a manager forward thinking as well who wants to see young players come through. So, yeah, it works. Yeah, definitely, definitely works. I mean, you've we've all gone to see what West Ham have achieved in such a short space of time, like. It's incredible to think like you think I think about the first like my first game I went to see, going from that to being in Europe for three years and like competing in Europe, not just being in Europe, competing in Europe, which is a massive thing. Mm. Um obviously like people talk about um the league this season with West Ham and stuff and like how things have been different for them in the league, but again, like they've just won the European competition, like a major competition against some very, very good sides. Um, and it's just no mean feat. I think one thing I've learned, especially from moving to Europe, um, is how different the football is over there. And like, you can, when you, when I see English teams play against other European sides, especially like German sides, Italian sides, um, the, the football's so different. And so I understand why the Champions League is so difficult like you're playing completely completely different styles to what you're used to what you're used to and what works for you and like your league may get you battered in Europe and that's just how it is it, it's, it's, it's very interesting as you said you know West Ham have gone from 
I mean, you think how many years in the Premier League they've just survived, mm. just you know, and survival was the remit at the start of the season, yeah. survival. But now the remit is challenging for Europe. Yeah, and that's the difference, isn't it? You said there was demonstrations in your first game. Yeah, and now they've gone to winning a European trophy, yeah. being successful. The mindset has completely changed at West Ham. Crazy. Now. I mean, if it weren't, if they if they won that semi final against uh, Frankfurt last year, like who knows what would have happened, and they could have been in the Champions League. It's like yep. that's that's how far the clubs come, and it's it's only going it's only going up. Um, they've got some really good people at the club, um, Pete, and they've got a lot of people who care about the club there now, which is good. And ex players, a lot of ex players working there. I mean, um, when I joined, we had. Um, Paul Konchesky, who was in and around the 23 side like every day. Um, he's obviously the women's manager now at West Ham. Um, Matthew Upson was in with us as well, um, with like training. Like Paul Konchesky, by the way, very still unbelievable, still an unbelievable player. He's the fittest man I know, yeah. like to this day, and like in training, like stuff. He'd like train with us and he'd be, and just to see his competitive edge and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's something that, like, for me, that like, I've taken on. Like, I'm a competitive person, but to see him, he's not—he's not playing anymore. Retired, training with with young young lads, and his will to win in games like that just shows everything. Shows what, to me what it kind of takes to uh, to be a successful top pro. So you can learn from him. Yeah, 100%. I'll bring you back then to a little lawn spell at Oldham Athletic. Yeah. Paul Scholes, manager. Yeah. Did he join in training? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, I still can't, there's one thing he did to me in training, which I still don't understand how he did it. But I was doing rondos, and uh, I was in the middle, and like the balls come to him, and he's like dink the ball, and it's like he's chipped it, and it's like going like the other way. So I've turned to go that way to look to obviously try and get the ball, but he's put that much backspin on it that it's spun that other way. So I'm there, like where the hell's the ball? And it's like with the lad who's next to him. Like span, I couldn't believe it. I was like, like, what's going on? And like in training, like he'd be spraying diags, like sidewinders, volleys, like, yeah, like he was just unbelievable. But obviously everything that was going on with Oldham at the time just didn't didn't um didn't help everything, didn't help and he he kinda said like he does he didn't need it and um he's come out with and in interviews and stuff, like he's a really big family man and obviously um like with his with his family life as well, like everything he was going through at Oldham and at home, it was just it was hard for him to kind of maintain all of it. So, um, but yeah, like I was only with him for about a month, but I mean, yeah, he's a good guy. He still messages me from time to time now. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I've I've been lucky. I think um, I've had um, I think I've had two Champions League winning managers. Richard Money when he was at Solio Moors, um, Paul Scholes. Um, so, I mean, I was feeling quite lucky in terms of managers and stuff Definitely. like that. West Ham's coming to an end. Yadingerhead probably want to go out and play football, a few law moves. Yeah. Ended up at Bolton. Yeah. Did that come about? Yeah, it's just similar to um, any other loan move, I think. Obviously, clubs look to strengthen and to improve in positions. I think Bolton, especially at that time, struggling in League Two and um, the manager was trying to improve and um, I think my West Ham debut, my um, how I was playing in 23s at that period in time helped me um, and yeah, he 
brought me in said he the big thing for me that was different about the Bolton thing to all my other loan moves I spoke to the gaffer beforehand um, and knew exactly what he wanted from me where he wanted me to where he wanted to play me so that I was so much more comfortable coming up to Bolton than I was at my other clubs that I went on loan to um, yeah said he wants to play me off the left in like a four two three one four three three set up and um, left or in the ten roll. Um, and said, yeah, like we just want. He said we try and play football. Um, we're going to try and play football here, and um, we just need to get up the league kind of thing. We need to, um, like you said, that obviously we're massively underachieving this season. So um, yeah, we, we want to get up the league. We want to obviously improve in the squad um, in in the January window. And yeah, for me, I just thought like I'll I'll go there and I'll play. And I was thinking that I've got six months left at West Ham. Um, I'd just made my debut and I was thinking I could stay at West Ham and be on the bench in, in, in the Prem. I could be on the bench in the next round of the Cup. Um, I think we had United away. Um, or I could go and play and go and prove that like I, I, um, I can play regularly in the league. So, um, yeah, went, went to Bolton. 17th in the league we yeah. were in January. Yeah. 17th. In my eyes, now will you come in one of the catalysts really that kicked us forward from there because there was a lot of pressure on at that time. You know, with us being, yeah. we were looking over our shoulders, looking at, at relegation, yeah. and obviously needed to climb the league quite quickly. Mm. You know, and we ended up, we went on an unbelievable run from then in. Mm. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I didn't, I wasn't really massively aware of the pressure. Like when I joined, I think that was one of the things. I wasn't really massively aware of the pressure. I came in just came about to kind of try and do my business um come and play as well as I can and um I think yeah the first game that we had we went to Salford and it got that got rained off so we went back to training we trained and then we had the more more come on on Tuesday um and I come off the bench in that one and that's the game we, we went one up in Arthur scored and then um I think I think we ended up drawing that one 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 um, Marcus Madison got sent off in that one, um, and then on the Sat on the Saturday we played Stevenage at home, and we won. Um, scraped past Stevenage, played better than them, but like it was Declan John scored quite early on, um, scraped past them, and then we just went on this run where we just kept beating teams, and it was weird because we weren't we, we were we were playing a lot better than teams, um, but we weren't um, scoring loads of goals against them. We were sneaking by sometimes by the old goal. We'd have a few comebacks. Um, we went to Mansfield and we were 2-0 down there. Um, and we won 3-2. Declan John scored a cross, which is, uh, <laughs> which is still funny to this day because uh, I don't think um, Nigel Clough liked that. It's um, meant to be. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we just, again, went on a crazy run. I, I, I think we were unbeaten in 14 or so um, from the end of January to I think it was the Easter weekend um, so yeah we won and we won most of those games as well um, and then just kept creeping up the league and obviously in League 2 when you've got three automatic spots it makes it more like it makes it a little bit easier on us because um, yeah we we knew that the, that third spot was always an opportunity for us and um but the thing is, we had no pre we knew we had no pressure on it. Like the promotion thing at that point, there was zero pressure because from where we came in, well, from for me when when I come into the club, um, 
there was no pressure at all. Like we just went out and played, and we won. If we won a game, we won a game, and like we just kept trying to win, and we kept winning. Um, yeah, we we lost at Newport, which was a disappointment. But again, we put ourselves in such a good position that we could we carried on. Um, won a few more, lost away at Grimsby, which is massively disappointing. Um, and then yeah, it, it headed to that showdown at Morecambe, um, where we we kind of we knew. If we got beat there, then obviously that puts them in a driving seat with two games left. But if we beat them, then we give ourselves a bit of a cushion. I think it was a six-point cushion with um, two games left. Um, so we just know, we knew we needed to um, get one more win, and then the exit game come about. And I think after the Morgan game, we kind of we felt like we'd done it, kind of thing. So going into that exit game, there was a lot of like a bit of a, too much of a fanfare around it. I remember like the, the few days before it, like we had quite a lot of people at the training ground, like from the board perspective and stuff, like, and then um, coming out like to the pitch. And so I remember we had a video, there was a video being played before the game in our dressing room um, with all our families and like um, Bolton legends, Bolton like celebrity, celebrities from Bolton. I mean, Vernon Kay was on it um, talking for about five minutes. Um, his dog, like talking about his dog and just just loads of stuff and like um, a bit dragged on a bit. So we we overthought it too much. Like um, and then yeah, went out. We went one up in that game and again, I think after that we kind of felt like yeah we're done here. And then Exeter come out. Um, Randall Williams scored a great goal um, against us and then we pushed for that winner um, and they scored from a corner at the end of the game. So meant we had to go to Crawley and win on the last day to, to go up. And um, I think luckily for us, Crawley had nothing to play for because it could, it could have been a tricky game down there. But um, yeah, we, we we were determined, to be fair. We really wanted to go. We, we knew we obviously really wanted to go up, but we were de determined to put like last week's wrong behind us and obviously make sure we went up. And yeah, we, we started the game on fire. Um, I think... Every one of the front four scored, which was good. I got my first goal, which was good. Cause I think it was your best goal <laughs> yeah. for ball. I do. I thought it was a fantastic goal. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we um, went up that day, which was amazing. Um, and then, obviously, for me, being a part of that and obviously knowing my time at West Ham was, was up. Um, and there was always, like, when I joined, there was always the agreement between the clubs that if I had... Um, if I wanted to stay, I could stay um, at Bolton. Um, like they'd already agreed like terms and stuff about. Um, obviously, it was a free transfer, but I had did have West Ham did have an option on me, um, which they could have extended. So obviously, they gave it up and let me go to Bolton. And um, yeah, I was just I was happy to be there. Um, the way the fans were with me, even though it was a COVID season, like fans were great. Like everywhere I went around Bolton and stuff like. It was really good. Um, I was staying in the hotel while I was on loan and stuff. I'd pop to the Tesco and like, just you seeing fans and like, obviously you not you don't get to see them in the stadium. I was seeing that COVID year, but um, the support I had from them there, like, I just made me really want want to stay and want to want to keep playing for Bolton. When you first came in, obviously as you said, they're COVID times, empty stadiums. Was it hard to make a connection with the fans then? Because obviously they're watching on iFollow, etc. When you go out to the shops and what have you going to town or whatever, obviously yeah. they recognise you and they, yeah. they want to speak to you. But was it weird playing in empty stadiums and that, and then 
you know, with the fans not knowing where are they? Is it? Yeah, you know I mean? like yeah, the whole COVID thing was weird. The empty stadium stuff was strange, and like from a football perspective, um, that it was it was weird. But I think for us at the time, like as lads, we said it like we say, oh, how different would it have been if we were in our, that position? We were in the league and playing in front of the fans because obviously there's a lot of expectations at the club. Like um, being in front of no fans, there was like not that much. It felt like there wasn't as much pressure as there actually was. Mm. Um, but I think one of the things that helped build a connection with the fans was um, there was that guy on Twitter who kept making those uh, alternative commentaries. Oh, oh God, being yeah. like a culture. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? All that stuff. And obviously, I remember, I think, who do we play? We played against, um, we played someone and the gaffer put it up like as in our pre-match meeting like he put that video up and obviously we we're all like cracking up laughing about it um like obviously all of us have been given nicknames Declan John yeah. and Tor Deck yeah and Tor Deck <laughs> <laughs> yeah um Kieran Lee was sexy Kieran yeah um MJ was what Jesus <laughs> <laughs> um I, I obviously got the B-Tech Akotcha one which was good um which was, yeah, I found it hilarious. Um, so, yeah, like, that was, like, really, like, and all the lads, like, all the lads would see it and stuff and would crack off about it. And, again, they would see Gaffer. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You said one, before one of the games was a bit of motivation for us and said like, it's what it means to the fans and like obviously you can have a laugh and a joke about it and obviously in the t it's tough times and we understood that it was mm -hmm. tough times for fans and like we're bringing something back to the community and like for a community who'd been through so much and like we all felt like they deserved it and like we needed to like repay them for like obviously the, their faith that they've had in the club and obviously sticking by us and stuff like that so yeah the away fans all they have a way even in Covid near the end they had a way for turning up didn't they oh yeah yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah, was, Covid was funny because like when you when you see fans turning up at, at games, it was hilarious. Like when we played Salford away on a Tuesday night, and like some obviously Bolton fans like come down to the ground, and like because it was an empty stadium, I don't think they had as much security on. So like Bolton fans were sneaking. I remember there was I remember playing in the game, and there was a Bolton fan just sat by himself, legs and arms crossed like this, and then security come over to him and said like, "You can't be here." He goes, "Oh, oh, sorry." Just pretended that he didn't know I just walked out. <laughs> and, like, we played Forest Green away, and that was on TV, and, like, I think the top of a golf course or, like, on the hill, three Bolton fans were up there with a flag and, like, just watching. Um, we played, well, the Exeter game at home, like, the 2,000 of them outside the ground. Um, 
just waiting. Obviously, we could have got promoted that day. And then, obviously, Crawley, like, travelled all the way down to Crawley to wait outside the ground. Um, which was, like, yeah. And they always find a way, don't they? Yeah, Morecambe as well. There was loads mm. at Morecambe. Like, they was all watching it at a pub. Um, that you drive your bus to, to Morecambe, to the Morecambe ground, that like you go past the pub and it was all there. And I remember when we won that and they saw the bus and you see them running out of the pub trying to say, like, hello to us and stuff. And, like, lads, they're tripping over, like, on the grass verges and stuff. And, like, yeah, it was for us, like, on the bus as well, it was hilarious to you see. You miss that as well, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Well, I suppose what I was trying to say earlier was, obviously, you coming into the club, you didn't get the welcome, probably... You know what I mean? If there's a yeah, stadium yeah, there yeah. and there's 15, 20,000 in the yeah. stadium, you get a welcome, you know what I mean? You, you feel up for it and you see how big the club is. Mm. When did you realise it was a big club? The thing is, for me, it's always been, a, Bolton's always been a big club. Like, I've, I always knew about it. I'm, like, as an Arsenal fan, I used to hate it when Arsenal went to the Reebok. I hated it. You know, I remember my dad was at um, a garage. I think it's about 2006. He was at a garage and um, Bolton were playing Arsenal. And I'll never forget it because, like, it was on the TV and, like, Arsenal get battered. I think Bolton won 2-0 and, like, it was, like, Campo was playing Stelios and, like, it was just that horrible place for Arsenal to come to. And, like, I'd always knew Bolton was a big club. JJ Koch was, again, massive player, um, like, an icon. And the club itself, it was always a big club to me. It was always a privilege to play for, like, the, such a big club. And, like, for me, I was just, that again, happy to be there. Um, and, yeah... Um, obviously, the first um, pre-season game we had um, against Blackburn, the year after when the stadiums could be filled, um, that was like, I think that was it was almost full for that, and that was really good. Um, that you saw how many fans were there, and um, it was probably that moment. And then obviously the league games we had, we had some big league games that season. But I think this season as well. Um, some of the games we've had, like the Villa game, um, where the, st the stadium's been almost full, Sheffield Wednesday at home. Yeah. Um, when we've had like other big clubs there as well, um, I think that's when you realise like how big, big of a club it is. And then, I mean, again, I, I didn't get to see it, but you, the Wembley game, I think, you see how many people went down to London for that, um, and you can see like I don't think many. I think credit to both Bolton and Plymouth because I don't think. Many many clubs can fill out Wembley like to that extent, um, especially down in the lower league. So, um, yeah, Bolton's always been a big club. It always will be. Um, just going, went through something, and but obviously, ho hopefully, on their way back now. And you've played a part in that. Yeah. Well. You have. Yeah. I, I mean, as I said, for me, it was just just getting out there playing football. I was just thankful for the opportunity. Like the gaffer obviously brought me in, trusted in me. Um, and yeah, improved me as a player as well. Um, uh, helped me obviously make make a next step in my career. Um, and yeah, I was just again like happy to be there, entertain the fans. Had a great connection with the fans and the club. And they're such great people at the club, um, like yourself. Like I always, one of the things I loved at, at home games was seeing you before the game and having a chat. Did, so, yeah, yeah did. little things like that. So. And it's even the, like the lads in the tunnel, call them the tunnel brothers, <laughs> always come off of me chocolate digestive. I'm like, lads, I've got a game in a sec. After the game, we'll come out <laughs> and stuff like that. So just little things like that, like mm. you obviously miss. And, um, but again, um, yeah, just wish obviously the club all the best going forward and stuff. 
Can I take you back then to the initial move? Because mm. I know the chair, obviously the chairwoman, Sharon Britton, her neighbour is Mark Noble, isn't it? Yeah. Did Mark Noble have a bit of a, a hand in the, in the transfer? Or maybe? No, I don't, see, think, to be honest, I don't think so. Um, I think, I know Kev did a little bit. Um, just in terms, of, I think the gaffer spoke to Kevin to ask about what I'm like as a person, and mm. as a player. Um, and again, like Kev's, I mean, for in football, I think Kev's been one of like he's been a big like supporter of mine, um, and he's helped me out um, a lot. Um, and again, I, I've always been appreciative um, towards him for it and the way he is. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure, but obviously, I know that Mark. Um, Mark and Sharon are close, and yeah. um, the the year after I joined, when we, I remember we played Charlton away, Mark come to the game, and obviously I spoke to him after, and I spoke like spoken to Mark quite a lot. Um, I saw him this season; he come to the Christmas um, carol thing we had at, at the um, the stadium, and I spoke to him again there. And yeah, I mean, yeah, Mark was Mark's a good guy, man. He's really a good guy, and again, Sharon, everyone knows what Sharon's like, and what she's done for the club and what she keeps doing and for the community and stuff, it, it's unbelievable. I'm going to take you back. Your loan finished. Were you always going to sign for Bolton or were there any other teams coming for you? No, like, when I when I, my loan finished and I went back to West Ham, um, Conch, who was the loan officer at the time, said there was a few that had come that had given rings about me and stuff. Um, but he said, like, he was... I mean, I'd said to him already that I was... We're gonna probably gonna stay because um, Bolton had already offered me a deal leading up to the end of the season, and I said like obviously I said to him like let's focus on getting promoted first because like we might want to make sure we're a League One club next year and like we are where we deserve to be. So um, I said that, and obviously I I always knew I was probably gonna go back. So I know there probably would have been some interested, but. Um, yeah, I'd, I always had my mindset on Bolton. I was comfortable there. I knew everyone, I knew the lads, um, staff, and that I was playing there. And I think um, that's a big thing. If you're somewhere and you're playing and you're doing well, then um, you can take a risk and go somewhere else. But it doesn't always work out. So um, yeah, for me, I was yeah, I was 99% going to stay. When you joined, was there any of the older players took you under the wing? Did any become a mentor to you as such? Um, I wouldn't say like maybe actually I think Nathan Delfonda was really good for me. Okay. Um, he he was like he's a quiet lad, but he's a, he's he's really good. Like he's a good lad. Um, I think I learned a lot from the the, the older players um, in the squad. I don't. I think if anyone really took me under their wing, it'd probably be Nath. But um, I learned so much from Jillo, from Baps, um, from Doyler. Sauce, um, those those type of players who were like key individuals on the squad, Kieran Lee as well, like key players, experienced, had been about in the game, and like I learned loads from them. Um, and obviously spoke to and Jillo's still at the club, and like he's again, you know what Jillo's like, yeah. and he's one of yeah, he's one of those, and like that for me made 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 me feel comfortable in the dressing room, made me feel like you can be yourself. Um, so like from that aspect I think it, I, and again that's something I really love about our squad like I think that squad that we had was like perfectly balanced we had like a, a mixture of youth and, and experience in the right way and um, 
again, and then that's probably why the year after the beginning it didn't work as well for us because I think obviously Gillo was kind of was kind of done. Baps had kind of moved like was kind of done. I think I remember when we got promoted at Crawley that day, like both those two were in tears and like said that promotion meant like more to them than than some of the others that they've had um, because of obviously the timing it had in their career, the way we did it. Um, like obviously doing it with good friends of them. I know them they're close to the manager. Obviously Jello's still there, Baps is close to the manager, all played together at Blackpool and stuff. Um so like that stuff, seeing how much it meant to them still at that at, at that point in their careers and obviously for me, like this my first experience of anything and as I said, I think in football until you're towards the end of it you don't really get to appreciate like moments you have in your career, um and to look back on them. But that's like the Crawley Day um something that's special to me I mean even the way the lads rallied around me like when I scored and stuff like it's special like Sars and, and Doyle especially um that day would like because because there was always a joke about me getting in getting in at the back post so that I can score more tapping and I did that and got tapping so yeah I remember celebrating with them and they were saying like Sars was saying to me that's why I get at the back post and stuff um which is good so yeah tell you what then season after got used to it yeah. Player at yeah, leading goal scorer. Young, ambitious. Anyone come in for you then? Because we, we had a good run actually, Bolton then. We just missed out on the playoffs, but just faded away right near the end. But mid season we picked up really well, didn't we? We were strong. Yeah, um we obviously we had a we had a good um season. I had a good season personally. I think it started off really well and I was um I was playing a lot off the left and, and kind of I think there was a period between um, September to November where I was on fire. I scored quite a lot of goals, and I think I hit nine. My, I scored my ninth goal in like the middle of November. And um, for me, obviously as a winger, as a wide man, like you see, you want to hit double double digits. I always think, as for a wide man, double digits is a, is a great return. And I was almost at that in November. And um, I think. Obviously, then we went through a really tough period for the club, and like we were really unlucky. Like that season, COVID was still floating about, so we had a lot of people who were missing with COVID. Then we had people with serious injuries. I think there was a point where we only had thirteen lads we could play, and um, we had we went to Rotherham on um, New Year's Day, and we had like George Johnson playing in midfield because we had no one else. And it was I think we had a midfield three of George Johnson. George Thomason and uh, Nathan Delfonso. Like Nathan's a winger, George's centre back. It's, we we just had to make do basically at that point. Um, but um, yeah, we finished the season strongly. We adapted our shape and um, we we kicked on. Um, we I think we finished ninth in the end, and um, we got some lads in in January. And we scored. We were doing Fossey. well. Yeah, Fossey, play, yeah. Marlon come in. Um, Dion come in, um, and. Yeah, we uh, yeah we started kicking on, and then obviously um, that summer. I mean, I was always like I'd signed a long deal, but and I think I'd signed I signed three years. I still had two years left on my deal, and I was happy. Um, I I knew that um, I was playing, and obviously I wanted to to keep playing there. And um, I'm not. I don't think anyone come in for me concretely. Um, you always hear about interest here and there, but. Again, I think I'm one of those until until something comes in concretely, you don't really, you can't really worry about it too much because you can get your head, um, you can get in your head about moves and stuff like that if you worry about it too much. And then 
nothing actually comes of it and it affects your performance when you're playing. So, yeah, for me, I just kept my head down and kept just trying to work and then just see what happened, really. Well, the move did come following season. Started all right, I think. I think the team just changed shape. I might be wrong, you probably know more than me. And then I moved to San Paula. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, this, yeah, the team, we obviously changed shape the year before and um, in the summer we, we kind of adapted the way we played as well. Um, and, yeah, I was back to playing as a, as a striker, more or less, um, that season. And I was doing well. I was, I was in games, I was doing well, but, again, also found it hard, harder playing um, more with my back to goal, not, not seeing loads of the pitch, not seeing loads of the ball. Um, I felt like I was quite a creative player for Bolton and obviously I felt like that part of my game was kind of going a little bit um, in the role I was playing. Um, and again, I wasn't playing as much as, uh, as I, was, I would have liked to um, and leading to the January window. Um, I knew there was interest from clubs both at home and abroad. Um, and You know, I've got to ask you now, who were them clubs? I can't, I can't tell oh. you them, <laughs> of course. But um, I knew there was interest, but I knew that um, St Pauli had been interested in me for a while. Um, and um, my agent had spoken to me about the uh, St Pauli project and about um, the club and about like the community and everything about it. And I remembered the club from when I was younger and um, I was at Chelsea when I was a kid and we, we played against um, one of their youth teams and their fans were crazy in that. Oh, like, it's a massive club, Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I think they put in a few bids for me and like Bolton accepted um, one of the bids. And then after that, um, it was about obviously making a decision about whether it was a step in my career I wanted to take, um, whether I wanted to go abroad at, at, at my age. And um, because uh, I want, uh, ultimately for me, I want to play at the top level. I want to see top level football. Um, so... I had to say to myself, is this a step in my career that will help me do that? And um, speaking to everyone and going to see the club and then speaking to um, the manager um, there, once I spoke to him, I kind of knew this was like, this was for me, the way he wanted to play me, the way he wanted to play football. Um, I knew it was a risk because, again, it's all well and good saying stuff and um, him saying that he wants to play a certain way, but... Um, the only thing I had to go on, to go by was a few pre uh, well, winter camp friendlies that they'd had because he was a new manager. This is the first first job. He was only twenty nine at the time. Is that old? Yeah. So you're a new manager at twenty nine. Yeah, well, yeah, he's twenty. Well, he's thirty now, but he was twenty nine at the time. So, um, yeah, all I had to go by was what he was saying, and obviously from what he was saying to me, and he looked at a lot of my games, analysed my game, and so said to me in a meeting, he's like, this is where I see you improving, this is where I see you improving us as a squad. Um, and he said, and again, movement was something he mentioned um, to me um, then. And I, um, yeah, I met him and I was really, really excited by the whole prospect of it, excited by the move and, um, yeah, went out there and, uh, and did it. They're saying that three bids, first two... Rejected, so Bolton are happy. Everyone's happy. Yeah, but it shows that they wanted you. Yeah, you were yeah. a key part of this, weren't you? They wanted you. Yeah, I think they'd done their research and they have their plan. And I know how the club works from being out there now. I know um, they're really methodical about things, and um, they make 
they obviously try and make the right decisions and um, for the club and they want to build the club and the projects and our director of football Andreas is uh, is a really good bloke and he's um, he's got a plan for the club and he, he wants to take the club to, to the next level um, so he does he wants to do everything in his power to do that and again I think he, he they, they, they liked me and they wanted to bring me in and yeah I was, I'm grateful to that. Next level, let's just say it. You come in below mid-table, St Pauli. 15th. 15th. Yeah. Still getting full house, 30,000 every week. Yeah. Well, that's a big city, because obviously you've got rivals as Hamburg in your league. Yeah. What was that debut like when you played the Derby, sorry? The Derby? The Derby. Yeah, that was crazy. I still say it's... Um, the best footballing atmosphere I've ever been in. Um, I've been at games in the Premier League. I've been at. Um, I went to the Euro final at Wembley, where there was about 80, 89,000 English fans in there, and um, yeah, the the derby was something that was unbelievable. I mean, when we went out, when we went to, got to the ground and went to look at the pitch, like the Hamburg fans, um, they. The whole ultra section was full, like whistling at us, booing us. Like, as we walk, we're not even in our kit. We're just walking on to like see if we're wearing studs or molds today. <laughs> and um, yeah, like whistling at us. And that Jacko come out of the tunnel, and like they were whistling at him because he's a big like cult figure for like St. Pauli, and he's a big, big part of like, our football club. And um, yeah, just like little things like that. And like, I was still on the pitch looking at the boys, like yeah, like yeah, this is gonna be good, like kind of less have it kind of thing um, and again come out to warm up and the stadium's basically like 90% full like it's packed it's loud you can't hear anything um, people they're doing they're singing doing like their songs demonstrations everything our fans are there and like our fans like again our fans travel everywhere they pack it out um, so I think we had like 3,000 of our fans in our section and then coming onto the pitch like it's unbelievable like there's They've got their big banners. We've got our big banners, and yeah, it's just, it's just mental adrenaline. And like that pitch is a big, big pitch. So I remember the first minute, it was like end to end already. And I was thinking it's going to be a long game. <laughs> I remember getting the ball in the first minute and like having the counter, and I was running. I was thinking I was thought I was going for ages. Still nowhere near the penalty area. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that it was a crazy experience. It was. Um, it was it was a tough moment like for us that seat in the season in terms of the way it ended. I think we deserved a lot more out of the game um, itself. But football goes like that sometimes. I think we went in. They we would go. We were going at halftime one nil up. I think we win the game. Um, their lad, their centre back, gets the ball on the edge of the box in the forty fifth plus two minute and has a shot and it knuckleballs into the top corner for his first goal in professional football. And like you think, well. Like, come on. And they go in at 1-1 one, one, and then straight after half-time, they hit us with a few soccer punches and then we're 3-1 down after 50. Um, and then, like, after that, it become a bit of an uphill battle for us. Um, we got it to 3-2 and then they got the other end and score again and then we got the other end and score again. So it was mental. It ended 4-3, but, I mean... We had enough chances to to draw, if not win that game. Um, we missed some big chances, even in the, like at four two, at four three, we had a big big chance that we missed, and 
again. Um, on the balance of the game, a draw would probably have been a fair result. Um, but yeah, we, we didn't end we didn't end up getting back into it. We didn't um, win that game. But yeah, that whole experience, that whole day, like it, it, it that that to me is what top level football is. Um, and I know it's the second league in Germany, so I can't I can't wait to see what it would be like at, at the top league. But um, there's some big big clubs in our league, especially this season now. Um, the two rele relegated are Hertha Berlin and Schalke. So um, I heard about what the Schalke ground's like and the lads that played there a few years ago said it, it, it's crazy. They said it's one of the best places they've ever played football at. Um, so, yeah, I'm just... I mean, every game I've been at, I think, this season at St Pauli has been an unbelievable experience. The, the amount of fans in there, the fan culture, everything about it, it's been good so far and it helps when you're winning games and we're playing the way we are playing as well. I bet John will probably want to bring you back here. I probably skipped ahead. A move to Germany, what do you reckon, John? Not easy, is it? How long did it take you to make your mind up? Was it just meeting up with them, visiting the place? Or uh, before you even went out there, did you know you were going to move? When I went out there, I kind of... I had it in the back of my mind that this is something that is, like... Something not that I, I, I need to do, but I probably should do. Um, because with how things were going, obviously, back at Bolton um, and the club were kind of going in a bit of a different direction. So, um, and I had a, a club here at St Pauli who were, who were a big club and really wanted me. And um, I think that part of it made me like want to do it. Um, I think my main thing, and I've, I said it is, I, I did feel, I was, in my head at the time, I was thinking like, am I maybe, two years too late to do this move to Germany because I felt like at the age I'm at I'm, is it right for me to be going out there at this point but what if it doesn't work out there then I come back at 27, 28 having had three tough years or two tough years in Germany like that to me was, was probably the main thing um, the main thing I struggled with but as I said once I'd met the manager um my mind was kind of made up, and yeah. I saw the city. When I saw the city as well, I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable city. Um, lucky to call it home. Like it, it, where I live, the area, the neighbourhood, it, it's beautiful. Um, waking up there every day and spending time there with my girlfriend, my dog. Like we're lucky to live out there, and um, we love it there. I think the people are so nice as well. Like um, my neighbours. Like my neighbours are funny. I, like I've got um, there's two old ladies in my building who, who who love like every time I see them, like they're always smiling. They're always talking to me about football. I think one of them must watch the games because she always like, oh I saw your goal the other day. She tried to like I remember walking down the stairs and I bumped into her, and she obviously speaking in German to me about um, about my goals and and stuff. And she said oh like yeah well done. And obviously little things like that, it's just nice and like they're all so accommodating and I think that part of it, again, like, I think German people tend to get a, a bad a bad name from a lot of people being quite cold and harsh, but from my experience, especially in Hamburg, like, everyone's been lovely to me, so I think that part of it as well. My next question was a language. I mean, to, to me, first thing I would think about moving out there was a language, you know, it's a barrier. How quickly have you adapted? Yeah, I think quite quickly. I think going into this season, like, I'm complete. I feel like I'd be completely comfortable, um, like 
with understanding um, things. Um, the manager's good. He he basically says says it in German and it says it in English. Um, whatever he's saying, and um, so his team talks. Uh, you can understand them for the most part. Um, and if there's things I need to to know, there's a lot of like, every all the other lads. If they speak German, they will speak English. Um, so they, they help you out. Um, it's only been a few times where um, the manager said something which doesn't directly translate. So like there's there was a bit, there's a bit of confusion there and stuff. So I remember my first first couple of weeks, um, like the way we use um, deep, you know the word deep in foot, English football, like come deeper. Um, to them, it was different. So like the manager would say to me, I'll oh, go deep, which is to run in behind. So obviously he's saying go deep and I'm coming like short, but he's like, no, it's, it's the other way. So, but obviously for them, so like little things like that. So like, I understand like now they're, they're like football, like terminology. So that part of understanding that was big for me. And then once I understood stuff like that, then it was like easy and football's a universal language. You don't need to speak the same language to play football with, with someone. So um, that part of it, yeah. And again, our dressing room is so international that um, I think English is spoken just as much as German is. What about driving? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I, I got used to that quickly. Um, I think, yeah, it's so much easier to drive out there. Yeah, driving back home is just, yeah, it's mental about it sometimes. Like London especially. Oh. Don't miss the traffic then. Nah, no, no, yeah, no traffic. That's the thing, like about the city. I think I've not done a journey that's longer than I think the longest journeys I've done in Hamburg have been to golf courses. That's it. Oh, that's um, a question I've got. Have you got yourself sorted? Yeah, you know, I know. I know you're golf man, so <laughs> that's it. So um, yeah, like the airport's ten minutes from my house. The right. training grounds ten minutes from my house. Um, city centre's fifteen minutes away. Um, stadiums 15. So. I know, right, what I can remember is it all subway as well, Hamburg as yeah, well, so it's, it's easy to get around. Yeah, easy to get around. Like our clubs, again, one great thing about the club is like how um, how like conscious we are that we're not, as a football club, like being in the position we are, we have um, big responsibility in being role models and doing things properly. So um, like we have like things like car free day where like they say to everyone, don't you're not allowed to like bring your car to to the ground, um, like unless it's an electric car, obviously for the environment. So like I remember the car free day, um, we all like had to meet up at our training ground and then we got an electric. So we didn't have our team bus, we had like an electric bus from the city, and we all got like a like a public transport bus oh, like to the, to the ground um, and stuff like that. And then obviously after the game. You could either get that back to the training ground, or um, I just got on the subway with my friend, oh, yeah. yeah, with my family and my friends back home, and like that was so easy. About thirteen minutes from from mine on the subway, straight up. So it was it's so easy. I even said I said to um, my missus that I might do it more often because it's just so much easier than yeah. driving and parking and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just it's it's a great city. It really is. So. Sounds like you're enjoying it there, yeah. teammate Jackson Irvine. Yeah. Legend there, isn't he? Yeah. He um yeah, he's a great guy. Um he's a very I think him and St. Pauli are a great fit. Everything he stands for and he, he believes, I think the club also are, are the same and um shows that you can you don't have to um you can be a good person and a good footballer. Um they 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 can be the same thing and 
um, yeah, he's a great guy to have around, great captain, um, a good leader, and um, yeah, as I said, he's he's a legend. Lives in in the St Pauli district in the city, and fans love him for that. He's accessible. Like I remember, um, we we had this thing where we I think we we played away at Darmstadt, and after the game we were in the hotel, and we all said, "Oh, should we should we go play basketball on Monday?" So four of us said, "Yeah, I right, will go and play basketball." I've gone and got like all this basketball gear and stuff, and we've gone and played basketball like near where Jacko lives um, in St Pauli, and like he's just instantly recognisable. Obviously, he, he's the way he looks as well. And um, we walked like was walking to get some food, and like everyone's just stopping him to say hi to him, to speak to him, and like the and the thing over there is the most most of the things I've had it as well. Like if people see me and they stop me, their their thing is, oh, oh, thank you for playing for us. Like we really appreciate you playing for us. Oh, yeah. Like that's the that's the main thing. It's like they always say, "Oh, thank you so much for like playing for us." Like you're gonna help want to play from even more, aren't you, John? Yeah, of course you are. Yeah. What's uh, read his name out? The ground goes wild when it's at home, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, Jacko. Obviously, when they're announcing the teams, um, I didn't realise this for ages, to be honest. Um, but I remember we were doing our warm up once, and like we had a break in our warm up, and. Um, the, the announcer said, oh, like, number Zeban, that was number seven, Jackson. And and then the rest of the crowd says the last name and say, say Irvine Fußball God, which obviously means football God. And obviously when they said it, I was cracking up because I was like, wow. Like, I said I said to Jack, I said, when, when's the statue being unveiled then? Because, um, yeah. Do you hear that, John? It's got a bit of... I think you can do the language here. <laughs> Getting there, aren't you? Yeah. It's come out there, hasn't it? Yeah, to be honest... I, I said it to I said it to my missus the other day because when we was on holiday I said so she said the weirdest thing happened to me I said I had a dream last night and like I was think dreaming I was in a dressing room and like so my gaffer was speaking German in my dream to me I was thinking that's the weirdest thing ever <laughs> like I had a dream in German like I didn't think I'd ever ever have that but a dream in German yeah mad while you're lying there with the girlfriend <laughs> she enjoyed that didn't she <laughs> I think you're taking it to another level <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> might delete that book. <laughs> <laughs> We've got him laughing, don't we? Goodness yeah. sake. Well, which brings me on to, we've got some questions that have come in uh, from social media. Go on, then. My first one here is from Sam Tracy on Twitter. What does Dapo think of Fabian Hertzler? As a manager, is there a translator in dress rooms on match day? Um, no, there's no translator. Because, um, again, his English is good and he, he'll say... As I said, he says things um, in German and then he says it in English, or he'll start in English and, and go to German, um, which is good. He's he's great tactically, second to none that I've worked with in my opinion. Um, the football we play, um, like I, me as an as an attacker, sometimes I'm there and I'm watching our, our keeper and our centre backs in midfield play out from the back, and like there's times I've been like, wow, how have we got out of that? And like the way we play, and obviously the way he teaches us to play, it's things that I've never thought of, never seen in my life before. And but it works. Um, he studies the game all the time. Um, I saw I talk to him a lot about because obviously I'm I love football as well. I'm similar to him. Like I like watching football, and understanding it, and we talk about obviously English football. Um, and he loves teams like Brighton, Arsenal, Man City, and obviously the way like we've played um, this year. Like we're kind of 
we take bits from all of those clubs and we kind of implement them in our own way. And yeah, we've played against teams this year. We've come to say like, you guys are the best football inside we've played this year. And again, um, yeah, so I think Fabi's, he's, for me, he's, he's one of the top coaches I've ever worked under. So. My next one is from, not from him, but Liam on Twitter. Oh, yeah. It's not me. And it isn't we him. checked the spelling, didn't we? Yes, we did. Ah, you'd have spelt your name wrong, wouldn't you? <laughs> he would have done. How is Dapo's German coming along? And can he give an example? Ask him to order four beers and some garlic bread in German. Four, four beers and garlic bread. Um, so I would say, um, uh, ich hätte gerne um, vier Bier und Brot mit Knoblauch, bitte. Yeah. 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 And what, what kind of beer would you like? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's got it, hasn't he? Yeah, he How many lessons are you having? Um, I've been having them three times a week. So Good on you. Yeah. Keeping I've been bro. trying to, like, I, I said to my German teacher, I said to like the staff who like organised it for me, I said like, I want I I, I started them I think a week after I joined. Um, I think some lads start too late. I think the earlier you start, the better it is. The more integrated you feel like. Again, I also like don't I don't like that feeling of not um, not like when people are speaking, not being able to understand mm. them. Like it doesn't. Yeah, I don't like it. I'm I'm weird like that. Like if I'm in a car, I need I need to know where I'm going. I, don't, I hate just being showing up somewhere. Just, yeah, but you also you'll have gained a lot of respect for it as well. Yeah, but to be fair, I don't speak a lot in the training ground. It's weird, like because again, like as I said, a lot of the lads speak English. I think you like, will when you do more. Yeah, yeah. confidence in it. Yeah, I think so. Next question from Jack Baldwin, also on Twitter. What's the biggest difference between English league and German league? As in, fans, club hospitality, travel, etc. What's the biggest difference? Um, again, I can't speak of the championship because I've never played in the championship. But obviously, in Germany, um, the setup of our league, obviously, we're Bundesliga 2. And I think it's it, we are literally um, like part of the Bundesliga kind of setup. So... Um, the Bundesliga, like they run our league, they we have the same officials as them. I remember the ref who booked me on Saturday and then booked Klopp on a Tuesday in the Champions League. <laughs> I was watching the game. I was like, hang on a minute, he booked me on the weekend. But um, yeah, so like that setup's like top draw. We've got like VAR. We have um, like all our every games on TV. Um, uh, so like that whole part of like adjusting to that kind of top level bit of football where your schedule's not always the same because you could play on a Friday night and then a Sunday um, or Saturday night as well. And like, Do you play later in Germany? Um, we don't. I think our games... So if the games are during the day, they're like um, one thirty um, kickoffs, or like on a Sunday, sometimes at half 12. Um, then you've got the Friday night games at 6.30 and then like the main... So like... The biggest game of the weekend in, in our league, they always put it on half eight on a Saturday night. Um, and then, so, like, that's that's probably the latest you have. But obviously, for me, this season's different, like, flying to games, um, which is a new experience for me. I remember the first time I was on a plane, like, taking photos to my mates, like, look at this, <laughs> obviously. But obviously to some of the lads, it's just the norm. Um, but for me, like, it's completely different, like. Um, and then, yeah... 
the I think the main difference is tactically. Um, it's so uh, people talk a lot about high lines in Germany and stuff like that, but it's because teams really try and play and really try and pr play out. And um, if you have a philosophy, we stick by it. You don't panic and we don't panic and go long. That's sometimes as well as mistakes in games and and like we've seen it, we've done it ourselves where we've tried to play out, we've made a mistake and the team's had a big, big chance. Um, whereas like if I was back back home, like you're getting told like don't don't mess about with it there, like kick it kick it longer and stuff. Whereas like our manager's like, no, do it again. Keep doing it again. Um because again, like our success rate like of getting out and stuff is so high and it it when we do get out, like the opportunities we have, like I remember the last game I played we we got out and like we had so many opportunities on the counter attack and um just from like the way we play. So um yeah, that and again when the manager shows us stuff during the week, um we it, it basically is the same on a match day. Um tactically you can see what teams do and obviously we don't really I think a big thing is we wouldn't really adjust. We never really change what we do for other teams. Um whereas in England that a lot of that happens, I think. I think you a lot of teams change the way they play like often, like you switch up so much sometimes and and it, it it makes it hard for you to kind of know what you need to do at any given stage, unless like you've really trained all these different types of systems. It, it it's really hard. Whereas for us, we'll make really small tactical tweaks in terms of if a team wants to play play out play out. Um, sorry, if a team wants to press us when we're playing out, we might just do it a bit differently to kind of throw them off a bit. So kind of that stuff rather than changing our system to suit another team. But yeah. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying like seeing a completely different side of football. I think that's the biggest thing for me. I think every single day I'm learning. Um, the staff are so good with me. Um, they really like focus on like small details. Um, I've realised I've got a bad first touch, so I need to work on that. Because I always think like it's something that you take for granted, but like the coach and all the staff say to me that your touch has to be good in that moment because it sets you up for your next action, and then. If it's not, then your next action, you're delaying it. And that split second that you lose, then the opportunity is gone. And especially the higher you go in football, you have those those moments, you need to be good in those moments because those those opportunities might go and you might not get them like yesterday, Champions League finals. Like You're thinking like there's big game moments in that game where um, like if you make a different decision, like you can change like the whole fate of like your club season or... Again, City winning the treble, like again, Inter had big, big moments in that game, and like the, that's the difference between uh, obviously achieving glory, success, and then obviously ultimately not. So yeah. Well, obviously, you're loving life. You've had a great start to your career. Yeah. In Germany, it's going to continue. You're going to get better and better. Yeah, hopefully. I think from both of us, we wish you all the best. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I, I've got some money to get off my chest. Sorry. Go on. Go on. When are we getting invited? Uh, you mate, you're always invited. Every time I speak, what game? What game? Come on, live. Every, every time I speak to you, you're like, oh, I'm in Dubai this week. Oh, I'm in <laughs> Portugal. Oh, I've got to top up my tan here. So, do you know what's so that? I don't get invited on yeah, no, trips either. Yeah, do you know, know it's, it's mad. I'm like, he's going with. He's got other mates there, doesn't he? So, but we we have said that we we have got to go out, haven't we? Oh, yeah, we've got, yeah. got to come out 100%. and experience what you what you're yeah. doing. You just have to give me a bit of notice because. Tickets and I'll gaff hard to get, even for us. So hard to get. So we'll um, give you notice. We'll give you yeah, notice. Yeah. But why? We're going to go. I played golf for you. Yeah. Yeah. You've not played golf for John yet. No. no. 
So John's him. got a little. I've seen him a few times. Oh, John can play. Yeah, yeah I've seen him. He's got him. this little chipper. I'm thinking, look at this Sebi design here. It'll be coming out to play. Yeah, I've, I've seen John a few times. It's a wonderful yeah. course, but no. We're yeah. going to have a laugh. Yeah. Rapid 15, I think, John. Yes, finish off Rapid 15. Yeah. These are questions. If you've seen it, you've seen it before, yeah. haven't you? All right, Dabo, it's the Rapid 15 time. And I'm going to hit you straight up. Rory McIlroy or Tiger Woods? Oh, Tiger Woods, easy. The Open or the Masters? Masters. Tier Coffee? Coffee. Favourite manager played for? Fabian Atzler. Old or New Wembley? New Wembley. Favourite all-time player? Lionel uh, Messi. First result you look for on a Saturday? Um, Arsenal. PGA or Live Golf? Um, merger. <laughs> <laughs> Best stadium played in? Um, London Stadium. Ronaldo or Messi? Messi. Lynx or Parkland Golf? Um, Parkland, Lynx is hard, man. <laughs> Premier League or the Bundesliga? Um, Bundesliga. Hole in one? Yes. Have you had one? Yes. Oh, there's a story about this, John. Ah, yes, John. Oh, wait a minute. Favourite golf course played? Um, oh, Royal Livingham St. Anne's. Ryder Cup or the Open? <laughs> Ryder Cup. Right, uh, Dapo, you've been nothing yes. but a star. Can't wait to get you on the golf course, get you all nervous. Yeah. <laughs> nervous, eh? Let's get down to business. Yeah. Definitely. Dapo, Apple on. Who? Who is he, John? Dapo Afalayan, you have been a superstar. Thank, Thank you very you. much indeed. Thanks, guys. No worries. We'll see you all soon in Hamburg. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.